Greetings, Rays community. Brent coming in live with today's guest, Rashonda Mahone, who serves as Associate Vice Chancellor for Alumni Engagement and Annual Giving at North Carolina State University. Welcome, Rashonda. Thank you. Thank you, Brent. So happy to be here and happy to be a part. Well, we have kind of been going back and forth trying to make this happen. And uh, and so, uh, but I will tell you, one of the catalysts for you um, surfacing as a, a, a potential guest is we saw these like amazing videos that are you making that you're making for your alumni community. And I, you know, I think one of the, you know, as an alumni leader, you kind of got to be comfortable putting yourself out there, but that used to, me- that used to mean, you know, primarily events and reunions, mm-hmm. sorts of activities. Uh, but now it's also putting yourself out there digitally. And so just tell me a little bit about that and then we'll dive into who you are and how you got here. Yeah, so I'm 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 fairly new. I don't know if I can still use the new word. So it's been less than a year to NC State, and there's so many wonderful opportunities about NC State and what makes the Wolfpack such a great institution that it kind of came from actually just a conversation with our team um, that turned into a bucket list social media series that, you know, around day of giving, there were some really fun opportunities. And so it kind of just, you know, came from that idea generation and and we'll see where where we take it. We definitely want to do more uh, videos on my bucket list, you know, things that every NC State person should experience. And so, as you said, I'm, I'm happy to put myself out there and to really experience it. And anything that involves ice cream, I will always sign up for. So, well, this sounds like a copy and steal everything kind of series. So we're going to have to see how it all wraps yes. up and make sure we can share it out there. Yeah, uh, our community. Um, but before that, let's just learn a little bit about your history. I love finding out more about the path to advancement leadership that so many of our friends in the sector have taken. And it oftentimes, uh, you know, has its roots in our own higher education experiences. So tell me about junior year of high school, Rashonda, who is she? What was she into? And what letter to the University of Florida? Yeah, so junior year, Rashonda was probably somewhere running her mouth because that's the only form of sports <laughs> that I, I was good at is running my mouth. Um, and so, you know, it got me in and out of trouble <laughs> a lot. You call but that developing communications. Developing skills. communications. Right. Who would have who would have thought? <laughs> but yeah, so so you know, I, I certainly had aspirations to go into the medical field honestly. Um, And I was fortunate that the high school that I attended had a program um, for us to have an early start in in medical education and getting a landscape. We had a partnership with our university and the medical school there where we were able to do some some early classes. And so that was the junior year Rashonda was was thinking that she was going to be a medical doctor uh, versus a doctor of education. So it's funny how it almost happens in just different forms, um, but yeah, that that was that was junior year Rashonda and UF, um, my my undergrad alma mater. They planted the seed in my middle school career. Um, it was actually in the eighth grade. A recruiter came um, to talk about the university. And I remember going home telling my mom, like, that's where I'm going. <laughs> that is the school that I'm going to. Um, and it was really the only one that I put a lot of energy and effort into applying. Uh, funny story, I got denied. <laughs> and it was because at the time we were, uh, we had paper applications. 
And I did not check the criminal record question. If you have a criminal record or anything in your background that the university would need to know, and I just forgot to check it, I guess. And so I got this nice little letter saying, we need to know all about your criminal history and all of these things before we can consider your, your application. And, you know, I'm like, distraught how did I miss this and of course it was oversight and so they you know we were able to get that cleared up and got my admission I don't know what I would have done had you know something in my past prevented me to go there but that was that was my my little experience junior year going into Talk about a, a poignant memory when the heart rate is elevated and uh, you kind of can't can't ever forget that I've asked a lot of people about their path to college on this podcast and that is for sure one of the more distinct memories. I also got to say, what did that recruiter say in eighth grade? Oh my gosh. It was just the way uh, he described the campus, the, you know, the opportunity to, to major in anything. I mean, it is a land grant institution similar to, to the school I have the honor of working. There was every single degree imaginable. And again, you know, this is when Rashonda was thinking medical school. Um, and, you know, since then I would take tours, you know, visited people I knew that went there. So it was kind of, you know, the seed that kept, you know, growing and growing to, to high school. But yeah, it was, it was just, the atmosphere of campus. And um, I, I guess in some way I drank the Gatorade early. <laughs> All right, so you show up on campus. Are you still thinking medical school at that time? I, I Yes, um, microbiology and cell science was the major that I, I declared my first year. Uh, did all of the science requirements and the math requirements. And, you know, I was decent, definitely not like the superstar students we have at NC State, none the least, but I was decent. And um, it was probably my sophomore year when I met someone named Organic Chemistry. And we just did not see eye to eye. And it was one of those agree to disagree. <laughs> so I disagreed and found myself in the business school. And that's where I, I ended up. <laughs> I don't think any any class in history has ended more aspirational medical school dreams than uh, than your friend organic chemistry. No, no, you're you're absolutely, and you know that's what the, everyone says. It. I thought I was ready for it, and yeah, I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not strong enough for this. <laughs> but along the way, uh, it sounds like you got a little bit of an introduction to that world of advancement while you were a student. Uh, we call the call center sort of the the gateway drug to advancement leadership. It sounds like that was a part of your journey. Yes, it was. Um, smiling and dialing for dollars. Um, I, I, my roommate at the time uh, got a job doing that. And she said, this is great. You can make your own schedule and, you know, still study and, you know, get schoolwork done. And I was just like, oh, that sounds cool. So um, I, I certainly tried to get there as quick as quick as I could and, and enjoyed it. Honestly, it was really fun to connect with alums, you know, especially as someone who was still in transition major wise, you know, while I was in business, still trying to, you know, decide what exactly I wanted to focus on in, in the business field. So I, I really enjoy building not only relationships with classmates, but with leaders, you know, in the advancement space at, at, at the institution, but also um, alums from around the country. Um, it's been great to remember and recall some of those conversations when, when I was, you know, there smiling and dialing for dollars. So you knew that you liked it because I feel like, you know, it tends to be a pretty binary experience. You either 
can't stand the thought of it and you realize immediately it's not for you or yeah. it totally connects and, and you get to use those communication skills. Yes. yes. Uh, and, and it was rough. I, I think it took me probably about a month <laughs> before I, I got a single gift. And it was almost at the point of breakdown because I was doing exactly as they had trained us and, you know, being very personal over the phone and talking about the institution. And, you know, of course they start you on the, I, they, they say non-donors. And I know we, we try to, you know, change it to future donors, but I think it was the never evers, you know, just to see if you could cut it on the phone. And it was, you know, at my, my, my point where I was like, maybe I'm not good at this, that I really got my first, you know, really big gift, um, first gift, first time. And it kind of started something where I was like, okay, I, I can really do this. So you're right. I did the bug hit me and um, I, I feel like I've been smiling and dialing ever since. I love that. Um, yeah, there needs to be a new expression for the, you know, not this year and unfortunately not any year ever. Uh, oh, we love our acronyms in annual giving. Yeah. You're right. I, yeah. You know, do they still call them? I, I've, I've heard future donors or future opportunity. You know, I, I love the yes. positivity. I like the positivity, but sometimes just a dose of uh, realism can can uh, can be okay too. So, so it's one thing to do that job. It's another thing to start getting, you know, the idea that hey, this could actually be a career path. And so, given that you sort of immediately move from that student experience, the student calling role, to the the field of advancement, somebody must have encouraged you to consider that, or did you just think of it kind of on your own? Any mentorship along the way? You know, if, if you were to ask me then, I don't think I ever would have left <laughs> Gainesville, Florida. That was kind of my home and, and I really wanted to stay there forever. Um, it was it was a really good experience and I really enjoyed the connections and the way we were exposed as callers to this field. And, and I have to say something that really stuck out in my mind is we would, you know, make calls to the various colleges. And so we would see the deans, we would meet the development officers and their staff when we would come to prep and learn about, um, you know, the priorities and the reasons and the, the, the campaign that we were, we were raising money for. And there really were, if there was probably one person who looked like me throughout all of the colleges um, across the university, and I think that's really what stuck out to me is if I enjoy this and they are doing this, why not <laughs> pursue it as, as a profession? And I knew I wanted to stick around to get multiple advanced degrees. Um, and I thought, what better way to continue my education than to also do this work? And so while I would have forecasted that I stay there forever, uh, it didn't pan out that way. But um, there were the exposure to other universities in the state where they had similar programs. So in some way, it was early pipeline development, if you will, for those of us who were students pursuing this field. And um, I was fortunate enough to be hired by another institution in the state to run the phone program. One of the things that I appreciated about my, my experience at my undergrad was we started off as callers, but we did, you know, kind of grow to be the managers leading the call centers and 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 actually giving more responsibility, you know, to do more in the space of advancement. And I think it was because they did instill 
um, development and advancement of students um, as a viable career path. We had conferences, you know, those, those professional development opportunities that we even do for our own staff, they did that for students. Um, so it was kind of that seed being planted and then having the opportunity to um, join another institution to continue that, if you will, um, leading a phone program and training and developing future students calling for that institution. So that's that's where it got started. <laughs> and, and that led you to an opportunity at the University uh, of Central Florida. And I just have to ask, do you know Matthew Hodge? Have you? All oh, yes, yes, yes. Yes. Because we, I recently I, I, hosted that on the podcast and he was another University of Florida yes. who then first advancement role at University of Central Florida and that just stuck out. Yes. Uh, so Matthew, Matt Hodge, uh, you know, he is a, a Florida Gator and returned to UF. Um, but yes, we met through UCF and I've had, you know, the honor of really working with him and learning. I, I have to give you know, Matt credit for learning the science and the technique behind annual giving and how it really does build a pathway to major gifts and also just his forethought on how all aspects of the university really work together. So you might have your athletics arm, your alumni association arm, and you know annual giving. And the fact that if you get all three of them working together, it really does maximize opportunity for the university. And so I, I appreciate just learning and watching him and his growth um, and just staying connected because I think that was really one of the differentiators for me in the annual giving space was was really learning the science, you know, behind the data analysis, the trending reporting, you know, everything that we do that helps fuel the strategy to do the, the, the relationship work, knowing that we're in a relationship business. So yeah, I have to give credit to Matt for that. I love it. And and tell me a little bit about, you know, you're at UF, you, you go to UCF, and then you really have the opportunity to, to dig in in a big way in, in a different role um, at Spelman. And so just tell me a little bit about that transition and, and how you thought about sort of when was the right time to move on early career from UCF, explore a new opportunity and what, what the highlights were from your time at Spelman. Yeah, so I finished my master's at UCF and really was looking uh, to get back into fundraising. Uh, one of the things that uh, I appreciated about being at UCF is my degree, even though I started under the, the medical uh, field and the desires to go to medical school, I switched to business and computer programming um, and in entrepreneurship. So learning programming languages. And so you can see how that data um, emphasis that Matt, you know, really kind of taught and being able to, to transition into a role where uh, working under advancement services, where I was doing a lot of that data analysis, report writing, um, forecasting, all of those things really came into um, actually using a degree, as many people sometimes wonder if there's connection to their degree in the work. Um, and so once I graduated with my master's, again, focused on information uh, technology at the time and entrepreneurship, um, I was able to move back to fundraising in an annual giving space. And I remember this was at Georgia State and I was having a conversation with one of the then student callers and, you know, just asking about career aspirations. And they asked me, where do you see yourself? And I, I kind of just casually said, I would love to fundraise for an HBCU. Um, my, my mom went to an HBCU. Obviously, I did not, my sister, but I do have a lot of family members who attended several um, historically Black colleges and universities 
um, in, in the state. And so I kind of just said it. And I don't even think a month passed where the opportunity at Spelman, you know, came open. And it was kind of one of those things where I just have to try and see what happens. And to this day, it's probably by far the hardest interview I have ever had for a job was at Spelman. Um, but it was really that desire to be a part of a institution that has a strong legacy, a strong connection, and being able to do some phenomenal things under the then president um, at the time. And so I, I credit both times. I loved it so much. I, I left and came back um, to kind of finish the work of advancement. Um, and just continuing to see how some of the things that we established are still going. Um, Spelman celebrated their Founders Day not too long ago, and it was just some of the things that we started. I still see it, and it, it makes me proud. And I am just grateful to be a part of, of the philanthropy story for, for Spelman. I love that. Um, but then a move to a very different uh, institution, and, and I'd love to know just when you think about the frontline experience at the University of Miami, you know, anything, you know, specific about working in the, the law school, um, it just, you know, very varied experiences. Yeah, I think I was jealous of my friends who were closing, you know, million dollars, seven and eight figure gifts and, you know, just the gratification of being able to have that. I, I kind of missed it and wanted it. Um, not that it wasn't available at Spelman, but, you know, I wasn't in the, the principal gift role, if you will. And so um, the opportunity to, to join the University of Miami and be in a law school, I thought what, what intrigued me the most is being at a professional graduate school that has a very dis distinct um, education cadence and a but a, a degree that is so um, useful in any aspect really of life I, that that interests me and, and of course being from Miami knowing about the legacy of the University of Miami and the law school it was it was almost a, a coming home if you will and so um, it was the opportunity to to build those relationships in an industry that at the time was really going through a lot of negative press. Um, this is when uh, students were suing law schools for their admission practices and their professional uh, credentialing. And there was a lot of noise, if you will, in the space. So being at a school that does have deep undergrad ties, um, how does that translate for those who just have that experience of coming, you know, to get their, 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 JD or LLM degree, um, but also in being really instrumental in shaping the legal profession for South Florida and for the areas that Miami is known for. Lawyers are negotiators. Does that change the fundraising experience? Like, is it different when you're dealing with that kind of specific population? You know, I, until you said it, I didn't even equate it. But yes, it, it is definitely a different approach. Um, there is a level of specificity, transparency, um, and a lot of questions that are being asked. But in my experience, knowing the work of what University of Miami, Miami Law was, was, was doing and just the connections that our alums had, it, you, you kind of you know, knew that you really had to have everything, you know, together. 
when you were presenting opportunities, whether it was philanthropically or even serving on the board or getting involved or teaching in a class, you know, there, there was a level of detail that you net needed to, to meet, but not, not as bad as I thought <laughs> when, when I was originally thinking about fundraising for a law school. And when you think about, you know, that being a big move for you, sort of up the giving pyramid, if you will, um, did you love that aspect of the job? You know, was it maybe not for you? I mean, how did that sort of shape? Because it sounded like you were hungry to just get get on the front lines and, you know, make some make some big asks and, and so forth. But was that for you? You know, it was. It was it was a great opportunity again to be in a professional school setting um, because I I do agree that that approach and many of them, um, I can't remember at this moment with the breakdown of how many actually had the undergrad experience at the university and then came to law school. But what I learned and I appreciated is the connection to the faculty members. Um, and I that was really the first time where I saw how instrumental faculty are in the advancement process. So, you know, there were deans that we would travel, hit the road together, you know, drive all around Florida doing visits to meet alums. And I found that, you know, while they didn't know who Rashonda Mahone was, they knew who this was. So if I could bring that faculty member with me or that dean that's been there and that really has shaped their the alum's career, it was my, my kind of golden ticket to get the appointment and to start brainstorming and really, you know, developing those relationships that, that could lead to philanthropy. And what I, I am, am I'm, I'm very grateful for, for that opportunity because not a lot of institutions have faculty members um, that, you know, have been there and that are the, the key pivotal part of, of, of people's experiences. I remember one person emailed to say, you know what, that person failed me. I want to meet with them with you. Yes, come see me because I want them to see how well I'm doing now. And so, I, you know, it's been funny to make those connections. And um, also, you know, not being a lawyer, not being in the industry, it also caused me to research and read and, and kind of be well versed in how the, the 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 degree, like I said, can be used in any aspect, um, you know, while they're, you know, practicing attorneys in the courtroom or doing contracts and negotiation. I remember going out to Warner Brothers and going to their, their studios, meeting with law alums that are in the entertainment industry, not even practicing law. So it's just fascinating just to see the, the variety of alums and how they've used the degree to open doors. And again, having that connection with a faculty or an administrator, to, to build those connections was really something that I saw we could do a much better job of an advancement. And I think many institutions are, are, are doing that even here at NC State when we have those key members of the community that, that make the difference, if you will, for our alums and their experience at the institution. Nabi, you're also touching on, I think one of the real kind of challenges and opportunities in the sector, which is we so often, uh, you know, organized by way of schools and units, that's the way that the fundraising is conducted in many more decentralized models. That's the way that marketing and communications is conducted. It's about the law school, you're an alum of the law school. Yeah. Um, and then the flip side is they work in media and entertainment. And so how do you think about like the media and entertainment right. vertical as opposed to the law school here and the business school here and start you know, doing more of the cross-functional kind of you know, both from a networking and engagement perspective, but then that leads to fundraising as well. And I feel like that's one of the real challenges. You know, we've riffed on this a couple of times with other 
you know, peers of yours where it's like, you know, what if instead of aligning around school or unit, we aligned around industry, you know, company, career path. And, you know, that's a real area of, um, I think, opportunity to be more relevant as people advance through their careers. Um, but at the same time, it's way more complicated than just yeah. sort of staying in that law school lane. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's yes, and it's, it's both. We, we really have to think about ways, and this is really the conversation we're having around NC State on, you know, the, the fact that we're integrating um, engagement and giving together, but what does it look like across the university? And how can we find those, those areas that really drive engagement and a stronger connection to the institution? College may be it, you know, for Spelman, it was the class year, it was sorority. And so each institution is going to have a different culture, if you will. And I think it's really finding what works best for the institution and how alums, you know, self-identify. And then how are we being collaborative across campus to provide more of those experiences? Because to your point, it could be professional. I'm, I'm amazed at, you know, at, at UF, I'm, I'm sure they're doing this, but how many of us stayed in the fundraising field? I still have a lot of us who are in some different areas. What does that look like? And how do we continue that? And just using that as an example, but you're right. There is opportunity for us to be more collaborative across campus. Um, and also think about ways that alums want to, you know, raise their hand and connect, especially now when we're in this virtual hybrid, there, the, the, totally. the, the sense of geography does not matter. It's just time zone, you know, how early or how late do you That's want to connect true. with all of your alums, you know, across the, the world. Um, and so I, I think those are great challenges that I know colleagues, as you mentioned, around um, the industry, we we're, we're certainly want to be thoughtful in how we approach it, but also in what would make the most sense for our schools. No, I mean, you're spot on. Look, like right now, the University of Florida could do a hybrid, you know, virtual event for all advancement professionals who went to the University of Florida. And there could be a panel and it could be you and it could be Matt Hodge and we could market it to the other, I'm sure, hundreds of people that work in advancement who probably would say, this is so relevant. You know, mm -hmm. of course I would go to that 45 minute Zoom discussion, which brings them close to the university. It probably helps grow the talent pipeline yeah. for University of Florida advancement. I mean, like these are, these are the things that we are now truly like a LinkedIn search and a Zoom link away right. from doing that never exactly. would have been possible even three or four years ago, probably. Exactly, exactly. Um, okay, so I guess we'll have to work on that after this podcast. We'll fire <laughs> yeah, that we'll, have, we'll uh, have to bring all the group together. <laughs> bring the group together. You did like pretty early in your career have the opportunity to take the leap to the VP role at a smaller scale. Virginia State, I don't know, 30,000, 40,000 alumni is my, my understanding. Mm -hmm. um, what was it like kind of stepping into that, that sort of real, you know, the, the top leadership role, you know, slightly smaller scale, but that had to be kind of drinking from the fire hose. Oh boy, it was, but it was, it was great. It was great. And so, you know, Virginia State being one of, uh, you know, one of the oldest HBCUs uh, in, in Virginia, one of, one of three, um, I believe that are still um, in existence. It was a very interesting time. I joined right after uh, the new president had joined. So this was really the combination of all stars, if you will, coming to be a part of the leadership 
um, at Virginia State. And so it was a really good moment to re rebuild. There were some um, accreditation, you know, opportunities that that opened up, you know, for them to kind of realign. Um, but also there were a lot of great, uh, it was it was a quote that the president said, they're the best, they're the well, be the best kept secret in, in Virginia, which is really interesting because they had a strong engineering program, a strong agriculture program. Um, and so it was using those opportunities that are pride points and really elevating it. Um, and it was it was definitely a great opportunity to to bring the the fundamentals and some of the foundation of our work, um, maximizing the database, using the alumni volunteers, thinking about stewardship, develop engagement opportunities. I, I remember we were developing the give, grow, go matrix uh, metrics for alumni engagement right before Case released the, the AEM metrics. And so we were starting to have those conversations and even thinking about prospect research and some of those things. And you know, shortly after my, my transition, they were one of the recipients of the McKenzie Scott gift. Um, and so I do believe a lot of the work and the foundation opportunities that, that we did um, really helped shape um, the institution and, and, and help position it for future campaign and a lot of um, fundraising success that I know they've been experiencing over the last few years. And then you made a very uh, different move, which is to, uh, my understanding is effectively lead fundraising at the business school at Emory. And my sense is you joined like either five minutes before or five minutes after the pandemic started. Yes, it was yes, it was five minutes before actually. Uh, okay, I, I will I will remember we were shutting down and I'm trying to move from from Virginia to Atlanta. Um, you know, at, when I was at Virginia, I was working Virginia State. I was working on my doctorate degree in education, and the my my focus of the research was around women advancing to the leadership role in higher education, and it was a study in Virginia. And throughout my research, there was some names that that I that I resurfaced and knew about and wanted to um, learn more. And one of them was the dean at the time um, at Goizueta Business School. And I was just amazed at her career path leading a business school without a business degree, but certainly um, kind of growing in the ranks of faculty. And so um, I, I thought this would be a great moment to come back to Atlanta, which has turned into a, a second home, if you will. And the Goizueta Business School being in Atlanta, you know how important that family, the foundation, and just uh, the the Coca-Cola company itself uh, to several institutions in, in the metro Atlanta area. So it was more of me following someone who shortly after I said yes, there was a pandemic and then an announcement that she was leaving to, to go to a different business school. And so it was bittersweet, but it was a great experience. And um you know, the time at the Goizueta Business School was was incredible. Um, being in Atlanta during a time where Emory University was really at the forefront of a lot of what we were experiencing. Um, and so it was really a blessing in disguise, guys, to be in a pandemic where 
there were colleagues in the medical, the healthcare side that were working day in, day out on the front line to, to really keep the university safe, keep the city safe, keep the country safe. And, and so, but that, that was kind of, you know, to answer your question, it was the motivation was really to, to, to be a part of a, a leader that I, I found to um, admire and respect. And in her own right, she is now continuing to do that for others at, um, at a, another institution. Yeah, no, I mean, we have a great relationship with Emory, and I think it, you know, oftentimes, right, people think of it as Emory, the the university, and, and forget just how massive the sort of intersection of healthcare and education is there, and, yeah. and certainly, you know, you were on the front line um, getting a window into that, and then ultimately had the opportunity to join, uh, to join uh, NC State, and I want to be sensitive because that opportunity is keeping you busy this afternoon as you're going to be running off to an event here uh, in, in 11 minutes or so. Um, but just tell me about what you were excited about. You're you're still relatively, you know, not yet at a year. Um, what were you hoping to find when you got there? And what's the experience been so far? The experience has been remarkable. Um, I have not only a great team, a great leader, a great university chancellor, um, the alums, everything about NC State is better than I could have designed it myself, honestly. And, and I know I share with others who are, you know, in the, the search and looking at institutions and I'm, I, I share this and they're like, I get it, I see it. Um, for me, this was a really what, what I, I would say what piqued my interest is the creation of this integrated team, alumni engagement and annual giving, and having grown up, if you will, in alumni in, in annual giving and knowing the cadence and just the demands um, of working on that fiscal year calendar. Um, it was it was great to be able to get back to it, but also being thoughtful in how we can take some of those um, practices and metrics that we're starting to to see throughout the the industry. How does that work together? And so, in some way, this was kind of a really great opportunity to take what's so great about NC State and bring these two departments together along with the NC State Alumni Association um, to position us for the future um, and just all of the things that the institution already does so well, you know, taking it to the next level, um, as we say, think and do the extraordinary here. So, so far it's been amazing and I am having so much fun. Um, I, I am so honored to be here and I hope to be here for a while. <laughs> Wow, I love that. That is that is super exciting. And uh, the you know, if you're just getting this on audio, the smile is very big right now. So uh, for for sure, can feel the good the good vibes. Um, I also just have to give you a little bit of a shout out because we've been we've been working with NC State for a long time, and um, we really got excited about the idea of trying to elevate just this concept of career stewardship, you know, for so long, right? People go to college in part because they want to get a good job and build their career. Um, and then as folks advance through their career, you know, all too often, it's either, you know, just off the radar for the university or once every few years, some kind of append is done and then the database is updated, but it didn't necessarily drive action and touch point. And so we've been working on this concept that we call career moves, where we sort of keep an eye out for the alumni that are switching jobs and getting promoted, you know, create a, a basically a segment and then make it really easy to um, send out 
videos to that population, which, you know, more and more of our uh, customers are embracing that approach. It's a pretty, you know, step-by-step process. Um, But you have been sort of the face of those videos. And my team shared with me that just last week or two weeks ago here in early April, um, you sent out some some career moves, sort of congratulatory notes to the alumni community. Uh, And it had like a 70 3% 3% open rate and almost a 35% click through rate, which is pretty much unheard of at this point as it relates to just marketing campaigns. But I think it's reflective of, you know, A, the brand affinity and loyalty. And you've already talked about that within the alumni population, but B, you know, leveraging data to be personal and, and relevant um, and really stand out in an inbox that is increasingly, um, you know, really hard to, to tame. And so just tell me about your version of what I just shared and and kind of what the reactions uh, have been both internally and externally to the concept. Yeah, I, I I did not know those numbers. So it's it's really ha- I'm happy to hear that it's it's been it's well received and and I will share, you know, as far to me, I think anytime that we can highlight and elevate and um give a congratulations to an alum for anything, whether it's a com- career move or an award or I think it's those little things to let them know that the university is paying attention and we celebrate with you. Um, No offense to any of the schools that I graduated from, but I mean, to know that I've made so many different moves in this space, how great would it have been, you know, to have someone take notice and to say, wow, you, you were, you're doing something awesome. And each, each, each place you go, you're, you're raising the profile of, of the institution because, you know, while students attend for four, five, six years, you know, for undergrad or even two or three for a master's, what they do outside of the institution matters just as much as what they do while they're a student. And I think anytime that we can be, you know, and celebrate that is, is definitely a plus. I have to also say um, at my former institution at Emory, we, we did a lot of this as well. We did um, the videos to congratulate for jobs, birthday celebrations, um, anniversaries, you know, any of those moments where we can just say, hey, we, we celebrate with you. Um, to me, those are, again, the moments that show that, you know, we're paying attention and we notice and we, we congratulate you. So um, I, I hope to continue to do more of, of those, those small opportunities, again, yeah. to do that. Um, you know, we, we could do class notes in a magazine and we can also, you know, send a video to say yeah. thank you and, you know, congratulates, you know, to, to, to our alums. So for sure. Um, last point before I, I know you've got to run, but outside of the core, you know, university leadership, you have been really engaged in case. You've been really engaged in the uh, AADO, African American Development Officers Group. Uh, and I think, you know, more broadly in other organizations as well. I know you just did a, a session at Case D3 that one of my teammates attended and absolutely loved uh, that was called Redefining Engagement. But how do you think about? just, you know, your involvement in the advancement community more broadly? And what advice would you have to listeners that maybe aren't quite as much sort of on the circuit or or as plugged in um, maybe as you are today? Wow, there's so much I can say to that. Um, this to me is definitely a calling and a passion. If I won the lottery, whenever the lottery is drawn, <laughs> I will still show up and I will still do this work. It is it is truly what I enjoy and get enjoyment from. Um, and so I am just grateful to not only be in this profession, but also to be a part of professional organizations that support 
the organizations and the, the individuals in their career progression and also to help uh, us do the job better. And so whether it's CASE or AADO or AFP, um, this is definitely a passion and a specific, specifically for what got me, you know, what, what piqued my interest was the, the lack of, um, you know, the fact that there were not a lot of Black women who look like me in this profession. And so in some way that has also been a calling of mine of how do we expose um, more people to this this work because there are no shortage of opportunity. I mean, there's tons of uh, jobs out there. And so I do think as, as professional colleagues, the more we can talk about what we do, the more we can think about students and others with transferable skills, the, the best, better we, we can be about that pipeline and really exposing more to the field. Um, if someone were new um, in the field, I, you know, those are three great organizations to connect with, CASE, AADO, and AFP. Um, and certainly some of them have membership tied, some of them don't. But I definitely would say one of the reasons why I enjoy being a part is part of the community. You mentioned Matt Hodge, and there's so many others. We are a tight-knit career focused family. Um, I don't see them as colleagues. They're like, they're, they're family, you know, they're, they're distant cousins or so. And, and it's always good to know that you can build this network and it doesn't necessarily stay at the institution, but it's really um, relationships for life. And so the quicker to me that those who are interested or new can build those relationships and really have someone to to brainstorm and bounce ideas, whether it's a formal mentor or not, um, to kind of pursue their own passions in this space, the better. Um, so that would be my advice, is just get connected um, with an organization or with colleagues that do the work and, and certainly be open to where you see the career path for yourself going. Well, speaking of getting connected, if folks are listening and they wanna stay in touch with you, which I'm sure they will, What's the best way to do that? I know they could reach out to you, I think, on LinkedIn, where yeah. you've got your beautiful Caribbean backdrop. You can explain yes. why, but if there are other channels, that's fine, too, and we can wrap up there. That's my retirement spot. So when I when I go into consulting, that's where I'll be in, 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 in St. Kitts and Nevis. Um, but yeah, LinkedIn is probably the best way. I am very active on it. So send me a message, Rashonda Mahone. I'm around. You can also you know find me on NC State's website. Send me an email. Um, would love to connect. I'm also hiring. Can I say that on here? That, that you, yeah, you, that was my final oh my question. Gosh, come come and join the Wolfpack family for sure. We're going to be, we are, there's lots of opportunities in advancement. So if I, if I can take that personal privilege to say, come think and do with us and be a part of our pack for sure, www.ncsu.edu. We would love to, to reach out and share with you the uh, career opportunities we have um, under dynamic leadership with Chancellor Woodson and Vice Chancellor Brian Cisco and the rest of the team around NC State. So I love you. it. Great note to conclude on. Uh, if you're listening, please take Rashonda up on the opportunity. Connect with her. Let her know that you heard uh, her story on the podcast. Uh, all right. Well, let's go. You got to go hand out some faculty awards and student awards. So Get after it. Good luck. Thank you so much for your time. We look forward to being in touch. Keep sending awesome videos and uh, take care. Yeah. Thank you, Brent. And thank you for all the work you do in spreading the message for advancement um, through the software, the programs, LinkedIn, the, the, the all of the opportunities. I don't know if you hear 
thank you enough for what you do for the industry and how you do provide a lot of great resources for advancement professionals at all spectrums, you know, entry to seniors. So I just wanted to offer that and say thank you as well for the work that you thank and you for saying. Thank you for saying it. We appreciate it. There's so much more to do, but it is such rewarding work for you and for us. And uh, I'm glad to be on the journey with you. So best wishes. Have Thank a you. great event. And uh, with that, Brent signing off with All today's right. guest, Rashonda Mahone, here on the Race Podcast. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye.